Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Turned Out of Punk uh, Super Show. Uh, footnote Super Show or just Super Show? Just Super Show. I am here with two of my friends, C.O.T. and Nick Woj. How are you guys doing today? What's going on, Dame? Good. Hey, now. Uh, we, are, we are convening because I figure what better people to get together to talk about these two hot button issues of course punk has made it back into the news cycle this week because of uh of two reasons the release of a, uh, a record that i think is probably going to be like top 10 in billboard at the end of this week and a, a a release of a movie which though everyone says is complete garbage will probably also finish in the top 10 of films <laughs> if not number one this week as well I'm talking about the new playboy cardi record red and i'm talking about the new blockbuster film wonder woman 1984 both of which reference punk and uh both of which uh with mixed results i'd say um guys uh, uh i guess uh have you have either of you heard or seen either of these things well would you start um i of course have uh heard the the cardi record um, I haven't and will never see the Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm no to both, but I would I'd be willing to hear the record. I'm like Woj on the movie though. But um yeah, I don't know. It's it's this for someone like myself who has not been looking for this news, it's incredible how much it's been thrust upon me. And mm. not just by you, Dame, but by the whole of the internet, it seems, in the punk yeah. world at least. Yeah, like I think I think the big news stories in in uh, punk, obviously, aside from the fact there has been no shows this year, has been that Gizem has had uh, a monstrous second act, and uh, and that these two uh, massive pop culture uh, signposts have popped up referencing punk rock. Uh, I have I will see Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. That will be something I will wind up watching um, because. I end up watching all the superhero movies because I have kids that like superhero movies and, you know, it, it gives you a good excuse to watch these films. Um, and uh, the Playboy Cardi record I also heard as well. Uh, I, I did not know this, but apparently he references punk all the time. Yeah, he has a, um, he has a bad religion tattoo. Um, maybe another, uh, another punk uh, related tattoo. But, yeah. He's got an anarchy symbol, I think. Mm -hmm. tattooed which is you know the ultimate punk signifier yeah. and then uh and then he also had a circle jerks ripoff shirt apparently yeah yeah he's had a couple really? of other uh punk adjacent ripoff items in the past he's he, i give him props because he he doesn't shy away from the satanic imagery like other you know like i hate that guy mario judah you know who that is no, but okay. <laughs> oh God, you guys are so out of touch. Holy crap! <laughs> He's like the um, the heavy set guy with the red hair. He has a song called "Die Die Very Rough." You really don't know this? No, straight up. Wait, I think I've seen him on Instagram on my Explore tab when that comes up. That's probably because of you, and I explore, and that's just now that's why it shows my algorithm. algorithm. Yeah, and then when you talk, and then you know, of course, he it does the thing where he's like, you know, it's all for for Jesus. I'm I'm evil for Jesus. <laughs> and then, like, that kind of bullshit. 
<laughs> is Playboy Cardi from LA? Nah, I think I think he's from uh, from Atlanta. So it's so, so weird that he's referencing all this like LA punk stuff. He's not like dropping neon Christ references or, or anything. <laughs> uh, his so so his deal is his. I don't know about on this record, but I would imagine so. But the the guy that that helps him with all of his his um, visual stuff is this dude who does a brand called Midnight Studios. And uh, I've never met the dude, but um, I don't want to say, you know, I, I, he, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how, how deep or real his punk connection is, but he uh, draws a lot off of, um, there's, there's a Japanese brand called Undercover and they, they, uh, you know, reference punk very heavily. Their, their slogan is we make clothes, we make noise, not clothes, like, <laughs> like the discharge thing. Yeah. Um, he he basically just like stands undercover and uh, Jun Takahashi, the, the guy from Undercover, and I think you know goes from undercover to this dude Shane, and then filters to to Cardi, and I think also the Ian Connor dude probably puts Cardi on to a lot of punk. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, it's funny because like you know like obviously a bad religion thing like that's that's kind of mainstream. Even a circus jerks thing is mainstream, but like. Slash is like kind of deeper, and the fact is, like, it's it's not just like an illusion. Like, they even have the text at the bottom of it, like the like the magazine, like the fine print yeah, yeah. is there. Yes. Yeah. So it's like a hundred percent a reference, and they even put out a press release apparently sending to people in the in the press mm-hmm. about how this is a reference to Slash. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the 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 dude Shane from Midnight Studios, he's he's real heavy in in Sex Pistols and Sex Pistols related imagery. Um, so and you know there's that um, Johnny Rotten slash cover that I believe is maybe the issue after the Dave Vanian one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean that it, it all comes from that. It, it it comes from like the street the streetwear uh, aping of of punk and also. Um, the dude William Strobeck, um, he's he's like a guy who from Syracuse who actually used to like roadie for Earth Crisis and shit. From what I heard, um, he's a huge um, skate videographer. He he did a, he did like some huge uh, videos for Alien Workshop back in the day, and he he's done a lot of the Supreme videos, um, if not all of the the new ones. And his apartment is a—it's like famous for people to, to pose in his apartment. He has like a wall where it's just a wall of stuff, and you know the the main thing that people pose in front of is a framed poster of the um, Darby—you know the the Darby Darby crash slash Darby slash cover. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like every hype beast kid, you know, knows that at least they don't know what it is, but they've seen it like a million times. Cause it's, you know, every like, you know, hit person in New York has posed in William Strobeck's like, uh, you know, room in front of that poster. It's really, it's really crazy. So they've all, <clears throat> they've all seen that at least. So is that like the new, is that the new Joe Coleman auditorium for people in New York? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. But for, <laughs> For like what way less cool people. 
So quick, quick point, Dave. Sorry to interject there on yet, but so am I. I think this reference is actually decent. The Playboy one, I like Playboy Cardi cover, whatever it is. I I'm okay with that. I don't know, not that I have any right to feel any other way, really, but just a, a, from a tasteful standpoint, I think this is pretty decent. What do you two gentlemen think? I I think it's like I think it's I think it's tasteful like I, I don't think it's like poor in its execution well no i think it's tasteful i think it's poor in its execution like if you're gonna dial it in that close why not match the colors exactly like it feels like they they kind of went a little more vibrant with them but but apart from that like it's not something like it's kind of cool like i saw it and i was like this is kind of fucking cool yeah it made it made your year dame i think because it it got sent to me immediately I was pretty you. excited. I sent it. I sent it to our group <laughs> chat immediately. I was like, yeah. on Christmas Day, no less. I woke up early with the kids, and I'm like, well, I opened the present to me this morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's sick, actually. I, I just, I agree. I, I just, I, I think that I don't understand why they didn't do the letters right. You know, like I, mm. you know, my my job at, is is a designer for 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 a streetwear brand, and years back i set up a slash collaboration and it never it never happened because i i found out later that other people have done it before and it was just kind of what i wanted to do was basically the same thing that they've done so i didn't didn't follow through with it but um it's pretty easy to to you know to to morph those letters into whatever you want and the the red like it's just it doesn't look like the slash letters at all there's mm -hmm. underline i don't I wish they would have got that right. And also, yeah, like it's funny because the, the the trend in rap album covers right now is they they make them look like worn out. They put mm. all these fake like um, weathered textures over album covers now, and like they'll make it look like 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 there's ring wear on it and all this mm. other stuff. And it, it, yeah, it is funny that like why didn't they could have like made it look like newsprint, like how mm. the how the original zine was or something. But yeah, I I think it's fucking I think it's cool that they did that. Yeah, like it definitely. I think anytime one of these things happens, it's just you know like once you work with you know once you work with people that aren't into this stuff at all, you realize how small this world is. So anytime there's like an out you know growth of this thing or like any sort of outcropping of this thing where you can kind of see it it's it's kind of cool like you know slash is something that you know you know it's popular people know about it but at the same time it is like it's kind of part of the secret language yeah yeah i think the other thing to look at and this is why i like the nod to it and even what you spoke to woge about possibly doing a collaboration yourself or whatever or spearheading one um i think slash is one of like the preeminent like like iconography visually of like not only punk but just in general like kind of the world of design that came after it i think it's hugely influential to the people that know what it is so i like that nod on the basis that like it's as influential as like the crass symbol or you know like stuff like that it's that iconic so i like seeing people do these tasteful nods to it in that way because i think as a design um you know, just as a product of design, I think that magazine is, is perfect. Yeah, I mean, even even just um, the way that they also covered um, reggae and, and shit, like they had Peter Tosh on a cover, I believe it was. Um, 
So I, I think that, you know, I mean, I, I know like in the late seventies, you know, it was pretty normal. Like all, all the punks were listening to reggae. So that was pretty normal, but to put it on print and to, to represent it and, you know, is, is sick. And so mm -hmm. it's kind of a predecessor to, you know, crossing over punk and like urban genres. It's cool. And yeah, I agree. Like just, I mean, even before I knew what slash magazine was like, you know, I, the, the, the logo was imprinted in my head from being on like, you know, my faith no more tape when I was a kid or whatever, you know, like yeah, yeah. Fems. yeah, a bunch of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, who were you dealing with when you were trying to do that collaboration? Was it with Warner brothers or was it with like bigs or it was with, um, there's a couple dudes who, who I forget his name. Um, Maybe I could bring it up in my email, but because uh, one of the guys died recently, right? Yeah, but and, and that was the one who Penelope Spheris aired out kind of on her episode, her ex-husband. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying, though, is that someone still retains the rights that isn't like Warner Brothers or something is what you're trying to get at? You know what? It's, it's this dude, Stephen As Asimov. Stephen Samioff. Hmm. Weird. I guess it's like, yeah, it must have been someone that bought the rights because Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers on that label, I think, right? For a while. I can't yeah, remember. I, I remember they, I think the label is different than the than the zine. Though. The zine, yeah. But it even just as like a logo. It's, yeah, it's Slash was a fanzine published by Steve Samioff and Melanie Neeson. So he was one of oh, the publishers, founders. I think when I was talking to him, I want to say he lived in Hawaii at the time. Hmm. Damn, that would have been sick. But there's already has been a slash collaboration. Yeah, I was talking to him in 2014, and I think it was like uh, Fresh Jive or Stussy, uh, uh, something like that. Like one of those like bigger. Um, it was probably Fresh Jive, maybe because I know Rick Klotz was big on that. He's definitely put like those collections out early social media, like. Not even social media. What was that? Like, Dame, you sent me stuff of him, like, boasting oh, about his Slash collection. This is, like, going way back. Yeah, yeah it was, it was 2005, fresh. 2007, maybe. Yeah. yeah, it was fresh. Yeah, I did a, like, they did those, the, that homosexual tendency, suicidal tendencies flip shirt. And, uh, like, you, in the store, you could buy, like, No Magazine, I think, at the Fresh Drive store. They had, like, dead stock copies. Mm. No exit fanzine, maybe I can't remember. I didn't buy. Yeah. It. I regret. I could. It. I could see it being them. I mean, it could have been Stussy too, but I think that would have been. I it feel like I would. Have... I'm looking at them now, and and okay. Yeah, like I said, like they they did. You know, they did basically exactly what I wanted to do. I just wanted to put the covers on the on the shirts. Like they have the 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 Sue tissue um, cover. The um... It's um, it definitely you know, it's it's cool. Like we're at this point now where these things are being referenced, but I think that's the thing is in in streetwear, this stuff's been going on for a while. Like I remember Rockers NYC even doing the uh, Gizem logo on a pair of pants, and then getting a a very angry <laughs> email about it. But stiff, stiffly yeah. worded email. <laughs> yes, yeah, stiffly worded email. I imagine showed up in the inbox shortly thereafter. Um. But like this, this stuff goes back because I guess like you know this, you know streetwear in a lot of ways comes out of a lot of punk people. Dude, I saw it was like last year, maybe the year before. There was a there was a 
bathing ape jacket with a, a gauze logo. Whoa. Really? Yeah. That's some like, wow. I'm amazed to hear that. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's pretty sick. You think that would have to be sanctioned on some level by someone in gauze? Like you don't it's think like, it's like it doesn't say gauze. It says it says like ape or something, you know. But it's the it's the rip. Oh, it's like a rip off of it. Wow. Those dudes seem, <laughs> those guys seem like the type of dudes that would not be cool with that. No, I mean look at what they wear on stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would I, if, mind you if Bape decided to make gauze boiler suits, I would definitely buy one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys. I always think they look like because you ever like when you're walking around Japan, you ever see like when they're doing construction, how they wear those like huge ass fucking pants. You ever see that? No, I've never, no- I've never noticed it. I've only been once Dude, though. <laughs> Google um, traditional Japanese work pants. They're like. They're like the biggest, they're bigger than Jenkos. They have a, there's a word for them, but I forget what they're called. <laughs> this is a, this phenomenon I'm curious to hear. <laughs> I definitely want. I can't wait. For, wow, they're super baggy. Yeah. 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 If you ever, if next time you're in Japan, if you're like walking by and they're doing like, oh, wow. Yeah. Work or something, or there's, it's like guys who are like, who are like would be making a new building they yeah. they're always wearing them they're always wearing them. gotta admit they're sick like i want to do this for my work this would be great toby t-o-b-i toby trousers or top yeah toby yeah nice yeah, i'm toby into trouser. it bringing it over here yeah damn those are those are pretty cool but i like you know i would actually you know you know do do some gauze branded toby pants i'd wear those too go on sorry no no go go you had a better point than me i was just gonna Uh, make i was gonna say god's kind of a final frontier now when it comes to obscure uh you know japanese bands that are going to be like kind of sought after or collected you know like there's uh now that it feels like crow and certainly gizum and Zao, like all these bands seem to be getting very popular in America. Gauze seems to be the the one band that's going to be like the last, like when is Gauze going to have the uh, the clothing collaboration or the big reissue campaign in America? They nah, did the reissues they're, they're already. Interested. I mean, they just, they they were reissued in Japan not, not long ago, right? And they, yeah, yeah, they were limited I, too, right? Reissue yeah. yeah. I thought Prank did them over here though, nor did he just carry them. Oh, maybe. I think he just carried them. I don't think he did them, did he? I don't know. I, I those. It's foggy to me because I remember they were coming over here, but I didn't know if they also got a domestic pressing on this side, and or if he was just destroying it heavily over here for whatever reason. But, it would make um, sense if he did. They don't need uh, to. To me, they're 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 maybe more more popular and known than than any of those bands that you that you just mentioned in the in the states. Yeah, like I think amongst the us you know like the people like that but in, in terms like these bands are getting reissues maybe not the crow reissue that that's a different thing but you know certainly the gizem reissue and some of the other reissues that i'm hearing about that are going to be coming out those are going to be on another level in terms of like their presence in north yeah. america whereas gauze is still feels like very much like a cult thing right like short of these reissues if you're getting the records prior to that you're buying bootlegs or you're buying you know very expensive ogs yeah, but you know what they—they—they're the one band that I—I I, I think out of any of them, they've—they've they've been playing the most regularly through the years. Yeah, 
that's that's kind of uh you know carried the flag for them it also just seems like they don't really i don't know i respect the fact that they don't they seem to do whatever the hell they want on their own terms they don't really seem to reach out or like they just do their own thing and that's well, that but approach to come to the states many times but they have no interest basically they yeah. all have they all have kids and jobs and shit they they just don't care yeah but it's just i think that that's part of it right like that that is retained intact and it doesn't grow any larger really because it just just maintains what it maintains that's it yeah they're the best band i ever saw live but Man, probably so bad that's what everyone says. I've never seen them. Um, Woj, I'm assuming you haven't, based on what you just said. I haven't seen. I haven't seen any fuck. Dude, it's funny though. When me and Damien were on the phone the other night, we were talking about this. Hmm. The only fucking band I've ever seen in Japan was um, one of the dudes from High Standards, like fucking side project. <laughs> and I just saw him like, for, a, for a second. You know, I was like <laughs> dragged there. I was kind of the same way until I did that wrestling show and then I was there for an extended period of time so I could finally see some stuff. But prior to that, uh, I didn't see anything like we were over there. Like when we brought, got over there, we didn't get to play with, with any bands. We just kind of played our own show and then we played like festivals with bands from America. So we never got to play with any of the Japanese hardcore bands. And that, that was my big dream. So I finally got to see him when I was over there and it was, it was incredible. Like it was like tech, checking off uh, items on the bucket list. When we went there, when we played there, it was the first time I ever went, and you know, they were we were playing with like the the beatdown bands, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, we just were just we were just asking them about you know the the, the you know Japcore bands that we you know we wanted to know about, and they're like, oh, you care about that stuff? Like I was like. Oh, <laughs> no 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 those guys are scary we're you know we're afraid of those guys i'm like what yeah i'm like i was, I was like in a mosh pit with Isaac last week you're afraid of these dudes like so, so it, we didn't understand it and it took a you know it took a while and then so i obviously didn't see anybody on, on that tour and then i've been to japan a lot of fucking times and like one time i was there it was like there was one there was a show going on it was like poison arts um one other good band and then some other bullshit but it was it was just like when i when i'm there i get jet lagged so bad where it's like fucking eight o'clock like i have to go and fucking fall asleep and then i get up at like 2 a.m and then i'm up until fucking 8 p.m the next day every time every day that's i can't get out of that funk so it sucks yeah, there's like tons of things that I wanted to do there that I didn't do because I was too tired. And now looking back on it, it's like, oh my God, yeah. if I could do that again. <laughs> there was like a, a Jun Kasai, the crazy monkey deathmatch wrestler, mm-hmm. through a deathmatch wrestling breakfast that that Japanese black metal band Abigail played at. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go. Like what, 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 like, what am I fucking doing with my life? But I'd been filming late that night, and I had to film early the next day. So I was just like, "Yeah, I can't do this." But now I'm like, "I would do give anything to be at a pancake breakfast with Crazy <laughs> Monkey and Abigail." Yeah, <laughs> I saw him in Philly. Abigail? No, Crazy Monkey. Oh yeah, you uh, when he when when did he come over last? Like last year or something? Or 
It was like a couple, maybe like two years ago. Two years ago. He's, he's, he's incredible. Like, uh, you know, he's one of the, the most charismatic in-ring performers I've ever seen and has like a really young fan base that goes out to see him wrestle. Mm. So I'm like, when I saw him, I was like beside this girl that was, she must've been like nine. And (laughs) (laughs) she's like watching this dude get like, like mutilated, mutilated in front of her. And she's like cheering for him, you know, very loudly. She's there with her mom. It was very surreal. Very, very surreal. Actually, I take that back. I saw him in New Jersey. I saw Onita in Philly. Damn, you're taking all the big superstars of Japanese pro wrestling off. Yeah. That uh yeah, Onita is definitely, you know, Onita apparently sang in a hardcore band. Really? I've seen photos of it, but I've never actually heard it. Um, Ooh. and he did describe himself as the punk of wrestling. Sick. Which which was the coolest thing that ever happened in my life. But anyway, we we Chris yeah, we're hate, hard, Chris. Chris hates when we no, talk it's, about wrestling. It's, it's okay. No, I don't hate it. I just uh, for the audience, I know not I don't know what the hell you're saying right now. Everything like the last whatever five minutes, it's like I don't know what any of this is. Well, we can't go any deeper anyway. I have I have a, a pretty a fairly shallow knowledge. So <laughs> well the, the we can bring it all back if we talk about uh what's his name? Crazy uh what's that guy, crazy SKB or crazy yeah. SKB, yeah, crazy SKB. Yep. Do you know about this too, Chris? We talked no, about this no. on the show. No, we haven't. We haven't done this. Well, all. I don't know. Not that I remember. Okay, he is a uh, played uh, uh, you know a bunch of like a, a laundry list of incredible bands that have connections to to everyone. But he's also a deathmatch wrestling superstar that specializes in in like fireworks. Okay, Fire. but what's the what's the band connection? He's got like high technology suicide is one of his big bands. That's the one that Robbie Brookside brought up on his episode. Oh, 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 oh I think I recall something. Yeah, okay. I think I'd force you to watch one of his matches where where he had fireworks. <laughs> Probably. It might have been him against Jun Kasai, if I remember correctly. But um, but anyway, so we we did bring it back to music, and so now we can transition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You guys can talk more about Japanese wrestling if you want. No, it's oh, okay. I, I was going to make a point about Japan, and I, I totally forgot my point, though. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to say I didn't get to see any Japanese bands in Japan, ironically enough, when I was there. But uh, you didn't well, even yeah. get to go record shopping, right? Like you guys were on. Such no, a tight I tried schedule? exactly. I'd like the greatest fail of anybody who's ever been to Japan, and everyone's been so successful since. And this was like. 2006 i was last there only there and last there and we had a translator what's that no no go ahead sorry 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 we had a translator with us too i was on tour kind of thing well not tour i got flown over to do like actually just as a vacation but it was in the guise of being like a crew member for this huge that summer sonic festival thing that goes on over there Mm -hmm. or used to i don't know if it's still continued i'm assuming it did but um and it was crazy because they do it like this huge stadium i can't remember like they do one in osaka and one in uh tokyo so we flew in between both cities but we had we were we were provided with a translator for the band and we were we were all put up in like all the western acts were kind of put in the same not western country western like western from here were put in like the same hotel so we were like staying with like public enemy and like all these so you'd run in you'd run into like random people at like these giant cafeteria setups for the bands or at like the hotels or whatever so it was kind of wild like we i remember walking in like shibuya and just like 
running into the guitar player from like Weezer, like with me and a couple people were like, Hey man, what's going on? You're just like wandering around and just weird stuff like that. Like eating, eating lunch with like inadvertently with right beside public enemy and shit. It's just a weird experience. But, um, but I never got to see any Japanese bands when I was there because the festivals were huge. I'm sure there were probably some playing none of the ones that we're talking about. I don't think but, it crosses uh, over that much. Like maybe that band blue, what's that band? Blue hearts we were talking about. Yeah. That's that like, I don't think was in it, but actually, and Woj will appreciate this. Like the, um, the, they do like they give you like swag and stuff at these events, and like one of the things was like a, um, like a cat. I don't know how you want to say it, like a catalog promoting the festival or whatever, and it had like all the sponsors in it and whatever. But mm-hmm. one of the things, and although they didn't sponsor, I don't think maybe they just put an ad in it, but. Um, like because we were in japan one of the things was like vape related and it was like it was um what's his face stone rose's singer that name's blanking on me ian brown ian brown yes and uh it was in ian brown ad like in vape like and again this is like oh six or something so it wasn't it was vape heavy around then exactly so it was when that was still kind of like toward the tail end of the super coolness of vape i would argue but nonetheless you know very cool for the time but just stuff like that um little little nods like oasis headline oasis were one of the headliners of that festival um that year which i didn't get to see unfortunately but um yeah but anyway uh, yeah we had a translator long story short we had a translator provided to us and i stayed the band had to fly off so me and another crew member stayed stayed an extra day and we had basically befriended the translator and um so she ended up coming out just to hang out with us and kind of show us around japan more but she just was not at all interested in like punk or anything and i just kept saying like where are records is the like any record stores that's what i need and the weird thing is i went to disc union but she just brought me to like 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 a cd floor or something and no one like they acted like records didn't exist there. And then I come home and then everyone's like, no man, it's the craziest place to buy records. <laughs> so yeah, I failed like super hard, but it wasn't really my fault. I don't know the language, unfortunately. This is like pre-smartphone too. So I had no like Intel at all to like look up on the fly or anything, right? But uh, yeah, so I, I failed hard and I uh, feel shame to this day. You should have asked a monster for the book. Yeah, I, I suppose, I mean, this is all, you know, and at the same time, like, compared to now, I was broke as hell, too, so it's like, I had no real business, like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to really do any damage anyway, it was like, between sneakers and records and any kind of clothing, it's just like, no, I was a wrap, I was, I was not, I was gonna fail at pretty much everything anyway, so, that's my Japanese experience, although it was great, and I do love that country, but yeah. In the pre-internet days, Woj, this guy, Amants, who's like, the the ultimate legendary punk person from Toronto, Southern Ontario area, I should say. Sorry, he's from Hamilton. But uh, Amon's had this book that was like a guide to record shopping in Japan. And it was almost like that sex book from American Pie, but for, for yeah. nerdy people who collect <laughs> records, where like people would like annotate it over the years and cross out stores that had gone into business. And it was like something you would like, you, you would lend you before you went to Japan. So you could kind of yeah. like navigate all these record stores when you're over there. Um, I fortunately um, got, first went to Japan. I guess it was prior to smartphones existing, but it was, I thought it was just after I went. If it I was remember. just after. Yeah. It must've been just after you went, but I just think like, uh, yeah, like I think 
we we were also we were like on a much more lax schedule so there was no fucking way i was going to miss out on my chance to go to the disc union and uh i went there and, and spent every cent i had and then <laughs> didn't have much money for the rest of the tour at all <laughs> they went to china <laughs> got the label to mail my records yeah. back home so I, i've been to disc union and it is sick i didn't see any of the record areas unfortunately but yeah it was cool <laughs> Fuck, so, man. I, would, I can't, couldn't imagine going to japan and not going to disc union or going to just the cd room <laughs> dude it yeah. was just I, I was like i was saying to her like ask about right and she just yeah she was just i don't know if she was just clowning on me or what or you thought know, it was like crazy Chris, the the one record that you're going to get back to crazy skb real quick there's one record that like you you always see when you're looking at Japanese records. It's it's called Kill Kill Kill. It's like a black seven inch with the pentagram with like the with the skull and it says Kill 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 around it. You know? All right. That okay. Well, you that that's he was in that band, which is a Japanese name. I don't know the, the name how to pronounce it, but I feel like that's a record I always see when I'm looking at uh, Japanese seven inches or when I'm at Disunion. But I think that's like the the one that's in the the Japanese hardcore zeitgeist that crosses over into our shit. Like that's his link to that. Mm. Um, uh, the, when I was at disc union, I guess the last time I was there, I called my brother from the store and I'm like, listen, because he's like, <laughs> call him from the store. Like, just call him from the store. Let me know. And I'm like, okay, I call him from the store and I'm like, okay, so, you know, they got all this shit here, you know? And he's like, can you go to the indie rock floor for me? And I'm like, what? And I'm like, it's like go to the indie rock form, indie rock floor for me, and ask if they have bright off, bright eyes letting off the happiness. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's like limited to 300 copies. I'm like, dude, there's no fucking way they're gonna have that just downstairs. And he's like, dude, please, please, I beg you, I beg you, I'll watch, I'll wire transfer the money over the phone. And so I walk downstairs, and I'm like, do you have this bright eyes letting off the happiness record? And the guy's like, yeah, pulls it out. Like, here you go. Dude, that indie rock floor is no fucking joke. Well, no joke. Rock floor, but yeah, man, they got fucking they got every time I'm there, they have like like multiple My Bloody Valentine test presses for some wow. reason. Yeah, probably because they were sold by various members of uh My Bloody Valentine crew or <laughs> people yeah. associated with the band over the years when they were when they were over there. I, I heard some Kevin Shields told told some unbelievably hilarious stories about when he was touring with primal screen going over to Japan that were, uh, yeah. Like hopefully he'll come on the show one day because those are some of the funniest tour stories ever. Like it, it seems like, you know, they were, Japan was onto that stuff first. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, that's the other thing about Japan. It's just like all that shit that's just there sitting there waiting, you know, like, like, uh, it just feels like there's, you know, whatever records are out on the, on like, you know, the open market of Discogs, there's like one of everything right now sitting in Japan, just waiting to be sold at a record store. Yeah. I think I saw a statistic where it was like something like 80% of all records make their way to Japan or something crazy like that. I mean, I don't know how they could figure that out, but I definitely read that somewhere. When I was in China, we went to this, you know, just like a flea market type thing. And there were two sellers that were just selling Disc Union overstock. Wow. Like, I guess it was cheaper just to ship it to China or they were just buying it in bulk. And it was like, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't pulling out like a Typhus Flex here or anything, but I got like some Noise Addict records. 
I got uh, uh, Diplomatic Immunity Volume 1. They had like weird shit there that was just like, I guess they're just like, we got too many records. So just ship these to China and get them out of here. Hmm. Um, it was a good find. Okay, well, let's let's move on to uh, the other big pop culture beacon that went out in the form of what might be the most critically <laughs> panned movie of the year. Um, and not just by movie critics, but also by punk rockers who seem to get very, very upset by the punk references in this movie. And I'm talking about Wonder Woman 1984. Um, I, I, you know what? I, this, is an, this is a subject I'm very excited to talk about because I have been up on the fact that DC in their television product, not so much a film product until now, but their television product has been all about referencing punk stuff. Yeah. For a long time. So this is just feels like this is a natural outgrowth of that. And uh, the references I'm talking about are, I guess the two big ones that people are, are upset about is there are a couple flyers that if you pause and squint really hard, you can see in the background that are for minor threat shows. Unfortunately, they both appear to be from Florida. One features Roach Motel, and I forget the other one features. Um, maybe one's a Circle Jerks flyer. And then the other thing that people are really upset about <laughs> is the fact that uh, a person with a mohawk, which people have taken exception to, is wearing a Cro-Mag shirt that came out, uh, that, and this is in 1984, which is two years before Age of Quarrel came out, and people are very angry about this thing. Uh, I guess I'm going to kick it over to both of you. What are your takes on 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 this? Just, well, do you want to go, or you want me to go? <laughs> you can go ahead and kick her off. I I don't care at all. Um, <laughs> I really don't care at all. But um, for amusement's sake, I uh, I guess I like. From continuity standpoint, I don't expect a, like a superhero movie to get right, like the nuance of like say the the Cro-Mags record not being out yet or something, and someone wearing a shirt. Like, I just assume it's a, like you know, some kind of like wardrobe person that's like, ah, just put this on, it looks punk, you know, whatever. So that's that was my assumption. Now I've been told, well, Damon and I talked about this a bit, but like, I suppose there are people that are a bit more tuned in that maybe should have understood that nuance or continuity a little better but at the end of the day like i don't I don't care like the people who watch it are not going to get well i guess i'm wrong because many people care apparently but i would never have expected anyone to care so um yeah that's my take but anyway one of you take it first of all people don't care hardcore mutants on instagram <laughs> Those are not it, it's it's also spilled over to twitter it's become like it's, it's definitely like a, a weird thing that people are upset about. Like I've seen a lot of people that aren't necessarily like the deepest, deepest heads complaining about it online. Exactly. That's exactly the point. Um, and, but it, it surprised me how much of a talking point this became. Cause like, you know, uh, Patty Jenkins is the director, by the way, like she went to hardcore shows. I guess she grew up in Kansas city, used to go to shows at the outhouse back in the day. I read an interview with her where she talked about, how growing up her life was all about the bad brains and faces of death, um, which assumes, I assume she means the face of death video series, yeah. which I also thought was uh, pretty 
fucking wild that she was referencing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she is a fan and I guess decided, you know, let's put some punk references in this movie and just threw them in there, probably thinking nothing of it. And <laughs> now she's probably going to have to answer that uh, for the rest of her life. Anytime she runs into any kid that's remotely connected to punk or hardcore. You think that any ev- everyone our age knew about faces of death or like saw faces of death in, in the 90s like when we, you know whenever we were like you know preteens or whenever we fucking saw it or was it just like all kids all kids i don't know i i definitely saw it but i don't yeah I don't yeah. Know. yeah but you like you know we're the we're the same sort of people that like you know saw the tool sober video when that was on super late at night or like you know watched uh skate videos or watched like like uh you know all the other weird kind of things like it's just you know like and and obviously i think faces of death is even more mainstream at that point than these bands that we're talking about are now in in 2020 because it was something that you could rent it at video stores like we we didn't have faces of death at my video store but we had death faces which is another you know, same sort of concept movie and uh, a complete ripoff of the series, almost like Bloodstains to Kill by Death. There was like huh. there was traces of death, and there was another one as well. Yeah, no, it, became, it was. A, I guess it was like a huge trend, and I think that kind of breached sort of its mainstream boiling point when there were those too hot for TV videos. Yeah, like you can watch someone get killed by a train and to advertise that on TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember like kids like getting like Mexican death magazines and shit like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you into? that's wild. Yeah, I never got that. The the two things I remember like that from youth were, and the, I never, I still never, and I, I might be wrong because I'm sure suspect Damien when you were even working there. Did they have originals of any of that stuff? Yeah, we had all that stuff. Okay, because oh. I can't remember ever seeing like an actual copy of those things. When I saw them, they were de- they were definitely record. They were like boot- whatever, like dubbed. Um, they weren't. So I don't even know where the the original sources came from, to be honest. But as a kid, it was like that, and like the Anarchist Cookbook, which is even weirder and funnier because it's like such a like it's not outdated, but it's such like a pat. Like that was so much earlier, to my knowledge. Yeah. Like why that was a thing to kids in the early '90s. I guess it would always remain a thing, to be honest, but. It just was weird that those things like were things I was privy to in like elementary school years. I think like that era though, like, and it's related to like the cyberpunk trend and shit. (laughs) This is just Mm -hmm. like like perceived like hidden information and like acquiring it, you know, like like the hackers movie and shit like that. Like I just. that was like cool at that time, you know, just yep. the, the, like lawnmower man, you know, and that kind of shit. Just, <laughs> yeah, no, great. William Gibson. Gibson. Yeah. Dude, William we had a, we had a BBS, my friends and I, and we would have yes. anarchy files. You would go on there and you'd, you'd trade anarchy mm-hmm. files. And it would be like, one was like to like electrify a pickle. Like they weren't all like terrifying, <laughs> but there was, there were a couple of like how to make a zip gun, how to make gunpowder, like how to mm-hmm. like, you know, like it was, and, and we, I, I think I tried maybe like three of these things, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it was just about acquiring all this forbidden knowledge. On yeah. I remember drive. like the one thing was like, um, well, the, the big thing that all the older hardcore kids in, in Wilkes-Barre had was, were um, dialers. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And then there, it was also like what you could pour into a soda machine to get free soda. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we're, like, was everybody's first like favorite band Catharsis or something? Then maybe. <laughs> this, this is pre-Catharsis for me. This is like watching Beavis and Butthead and trying to read things that you could smoke in your house to get you high. <laughs> era for me like this pre me being in punk rock this anarchy file stuff i would have been about 12 at this point and we would be like Uh yeah we went we were playing dungeons and dragons it was all my dungeons and dragons friends and then we got in this anarchy file thing and that's when i kind of started drifting over to music and drugs um but there was like a crossover period where i'm like oh these anarchy files have some information about stuff in your house you can smoke to get high And then my drug friends and I smoked like a, an ounce of catnip one day trying to get high, and it did not work. Oh, boy. <laughs> an ounce of catnip? Yeah, we smoked like an ounce of catnip. We like joint after joint of just catnip. And I, I, can't, I can't eat chicken fingers to this day because I vomited <laughs> on them afterwards. <laughs> oh, Anyway, that's very funny to me. But I th- getting back to the, de- to, the, to, the, to the Wonder Woman... Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, this is this is kind of like coming to a head, like as you mentioned, like a lot of uh, DC shit, and not just DC stuff. I feel like almost every comic adaptation on TV, like they they crowbar punk in there somehow. Like um, the uh, what was the, what's the um, the one uh, where it's like a group of uh, the Doom Patrol. Yeah. Yeah, like the Doom Patrol series, like the one dude wears like a di- like a different punk shirt in every episode, like De- Dead Kennedys, Circle Jerks, Black Flag. Um, yeah, and then it's it's all over, man. So I, I feel like this is this is it coming to a head, you know, and, and finally pissing off the the, the fake ass punks for some reason. I, I think it's like <laughs> I mean I, I like you know what year did the did the age of coral demo come out 84 right 84 but now yeah. it's it had different artwork i can totally yeah, understand I, why people are like oh this is not from this time period but like no one seems to be upset that this like 2000 year old amazonian woman's running around you know and that's like she's not like you know from this timeline at all <laughs> she's like 2000 years out of date we're talking 2 years with this fucking t-shirt <laughs> this is like um when the teenage 50 cent had uh, various raucous posters on his wall and how to uh, get rich or die trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I just look at it like though, really like from a continuity standpoint, like one, the people who are responsible for the, like that movie, that's such like a, a minuscule aspect of the movie. So why would they get that right? And then the second point being like, and get like whatever like we obviously are having a conversation about these topics right now so we give it enough of a shit i guess to talk about it but my feeling is like if you belly ache about this nonsense no one's just ever gonna make these kind of nods and is that what we want like you know if there's enough backlash then okay you're never you just don't want to see these references in anything ever again and like like is that what you'd prefer like who cares at this like, point like you said it last time we talked about well, like there's nothing behind the gate anymore. Like who cares? Like there's, you know, whether or not you want to believe in subculture or not at this point, like it, it ultimately doesn't matter if they're not doing a bad job of representing what that, again, I haven't seen the movie. So if that character is an idiot or something, who knows, but like 
in terms of like someone's just wearing a Cro-Mag shirt, like who cares? It's fine. Well, like, you know, I remember you guessing the movie made. John yeah. Favreau, Vince Vaughn. There's yeah. that, that scene in the, it's like the second America's scene. Hardcore. Yeah. It was yeah. in the American Hardcore shirt. I remember watching that and being like, this is the fucking coolest shit I've ever seen. This is back exactly. in the year 2000, you know, I'm yep. like, I'm sucking down like a two liter of Pepsi eating a double <laughs> Big Mac. And I'm just like, this is fucking so sick. You know? <laughs> and like fast forward, like it's a Cro-Mag shirt. Now Roach Motel, the band Roach Motel, you could go to a movie theater if COVID wasn't happening. So in a hypothetical world and see the name Roach Motel, a band that like does not exist to, to everyone in this world, pretty much. Their name's on, on like a giant screen in the middle of a theater. Like what a world we live in. It's kind of cool. You know, I'm, I, I like for me, it's, I can understand why people are, are protective over this stuff because, you know, it does give people identity and some sort of, thing to kind of i don't know uh, feel special about like the fact that they only are the only people that seem to know about it but at the same time it's like i don't know i, I take the opposite opinion i think it's kind of fucking cool yeah it's it's silly i would i'd like to point out my my favorite um recent um underground in the mainstream is is what it would be tagged in the on the herps board um, <laughs> the uh the german have you guys seen the German series called Dark? No. Yes. Oh my god. It's like one of the best shows I've ever seen. I really highly suggest it. But um I Like is what, it Kim Convenience good? No, 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 no. <laughs> Come on, that's 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 crazy talk. Nothing. <laughs> Go on, sorry, I didn't mean to be rude. Yeah, but the, but the, it's like um the kid is like a, you know, a metalhead in, in the the earl the earlier episodes and his dad like comes in on him listening to i want to say it's the the first sodom lp oh <laughs> amazing and it's because it, it's in germany and it's a, it's a german band so it's either sodom or destruction or halloween <laughs> yeah, but um and he and you know he he picks the record up and he's like sodom oh and he like reads the 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 lyrics and it's and it's like done well, and it's it, it, it's a it's a it's a cool um, reference. Well, yeah, cool. My favorite ones from DC, uh, off the top of my head, Gotham, where they had Lori Petty from Tank Girl singing uh, "New Rose" by The Damned, and <laughs> oh, that's cool. they also had Soul Invictus flyers on the wall in another wow, scene. Wow, weird. That's a little weird. weird. A little weird. Uh, they also had some other cool punk sinks, um, but like damned sex pistols kind of level of stuff legends of tomorrow has had multiple punk episodes including an episode where i think the queen goes to see the sex pistols play but it's like some fake sex pistols band but they've also had like lunatic sinks and like you know a lot of a lot of punk songs uh showing up there and uh batman and harley quinn the animated movie featured harley quinn singing hanging on the telephone which is of course a nerves cover yes a blondie cover but we'll go with the nerves on that one and <laughs> and jet deathstroke the actor who played deathstroke uh wrote it for goldfinger so there you go a lot of dc punk references <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't know i just it's it's fine whatever it's i I'm okay with you being a set with it too. I guess I don't care. I just, it seems silly to me that it's been such 
And perhaps it's because there's sort of nothing to do. Maybe that's why people are fixating on it more than they would normally. I don't know. You know why I give it? I give this kind of shit a, a real big pass. It's because I'm a fucking comic book nerd, and I know oh. the kind of people who write comic books and and, and shit. Just because I watch interviews with them obsessively and shit, and they. They're nerds, you know what I mean? They, they, they grow up in their rooms, you know, trying to um, fucking copy, you know, Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld and shit, you know, and graduate uh-huh. to, to whatever they do next and stuff. And they find out about cool shit after, you know what I mean? And, and they and I think they process it into their their shit, you know, like like the guy Ed Piscor. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He did like the um, timeline or timeline of hip-hop history comic books or whatever they are you know like he he puts punk references in in his stuff and like he knows you know danzig and misfits and you know germs and dead kennedys and stuff like that and you could tell like you know he'd probably never been to a show you know he just he's just into into cool underground stuff and he he got to that stuff later on probably you know and just gets the 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 cliff's notes you know what I mean? And that that's cool, man. Like, wh- whatever. But, you know, may- maybe he doesn't know the deep cuts in punk, but he knows the deep cuts in 80s uh, black and white underground, you know, outlaw comics, which is, you know, almost cooler to me at this point. You know, um, do, do you know Matthew Rosenberg? The comic think- writer? He wrote uh, Uncanny X-Men. He did The Punisher. He did Hawkeye. He... Uh, someone uh, tipped me to him the other day that, but he wrote a series for Kingpin that he called born against after the band born against. Oh, wow. Um, and he apparently, um, he was saying puts tons of punk and arco references in books all the time. Yeah. I just looked up. He's like, he's like current. I don't know any current like Marvel kind of stuff, but that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's, uh, you know, pretty, pretty fucking cool. It, my other, I guess, my other take on this, real quick, is that the I would much rather the reference be a Chromags or let's say a misdated or whatever geographically located Discord, you know, primarily Discord flyer or whatever, rather than like you know some terrible like like new wave stuff that would normally be the point of reference, right? And and like if you take like Back to the Future two or whatever, you know, some weird stuff that they would have referenced then but like at the same time like i just like i i kind of find it a little silly personally when i see people like i'm much more touchy about let's say um this is absolutely no dig at anything you do Woj, at all but like you know like those kind of like branding crossover things with certain brands or whatever you know, in like any kind of content. And I don't mean even like what we were discussing with the slash fresh drive thing, but just like, there's so many larger examples of more egregious things Mm -hmm. that are clearly like merchandising opportunities, let's just say. And like, I see a lot of people gobbling that up without any issue at all. And it's, and yet something like this is going to get people like smashing their computers. I don't really understand that logic. I think there's like, you know what what we're not factoring in is Mm -hmm. I, feel like chromags they're not to you know not to disparage them to in any way but i feel like their current existence 
and, and you know in the past like 10 years or so they're like you know they're bickering between one another and they're getting into arguments with people on on social media and stuff maybe that leaves them a little open to to kids like i don't know like i maybe maybe kids feel like they 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 can like if it was an agnostic front or if it was a sick of it all shirt i i feel like people wouldn't have felt as comfortable saying this kind of stuff mm. yeah, perhaps. yeah yeah like I think, I, I think like the fact that both you know the, the the band members signed off on this, they all like you know, maybe they all don't, but like most of them think it's cool. It just you know it's like just let it be what it is, you know. And the yeah, idea that that's cool, you know. They're like, yeah, we we know her. She's the shit, you know. Like it's awesome that she uses. It. There's what else could be said about it? Like that's awesome. That, yeah, that that's my take too. For me, it's at this point like the people that made this kind of music initially that we're discussing, like, for the most part, didn't make any money. You know what I mean? Realistically. So if they didn't make any money or they made little money, what they what they have is a legacy at this point. And, and if it's branded or not, but the acknowledgement on that level, as silly as it is, is something I think is, like, ultimately a good thing. At the very minimum, I think, like, the pioneering people who did this music or whatever kind of music – they deserve like those shout outs, be it they're be it yeah. if they're like completely accurate or not. It's way cooler that they're getting a shout out in a possible blockbuster, you know, comic book movie than nothing at all, right? Because most of these people either have nothing or died, or you know what I mean, not from the Chromag specifically, but you know what I mean? Like there, there's a lot more tragic cautionary tales of people who never got their due about anything that should have than rather than like getting enough plaudits. I mean, maybe, okay, the, perhaps the exception with Discord being referenced, let's say, but Chromex certainly, I mean, should have gotten Well, meanwhile, you've had how many generations of kids, you know, ripping off their band's sound and, and shit, you know? So, mm-hmm. cool. But you know what? That this, this, like, it reminds me of when you had um, the the um, the woman from Sopranos, Chris Dre de Mateo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, the Cro-Mags got me into punk or hardcore or whatever. And a couple other, like, you know, things I've heard, like, in the last few years, I I really have a hard time kind of gauging Cro-Mags' popularity in the 80s. I can't quite figure it out. Like, I don't I, – do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's such a weird, weird thing where, like, you know, they – they, you know, you'd see him in like a couple of the metal magazines and shit here and there, but it's like, I don't, I don't know, like how, how well was their record distributed? Were like who, who knew who they were? Was it just regional? It's, it's, it's pretty interesting to me. I think it was pretty regional, you know, like, and that's the thing you you hear from a lot of these bands is how regional it was, right? Like even Keith Morris talking about how Circuit Jerks were playing like twenty people most of the time. You know, like it was, it feels like in New York, they would have been the biggest band in the world, but, you know, and, and probably like along the East Coast even, but as far as like the Midwest and stuff like that, yeah, like you're saying, like, I don't think those records were in record stores like that, and, but they did do some big opening slots. Yeah, I don't know, but but were they the one record store that was, that was distributed, you know, because I mean what they were they were on like i'm sure run dmc records were distributed well you know like mm-hmm. so i you know I, I i just wonder like i it's 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 pretty interesting to me 
You know, it's another thing I just thought of is that in most of these kind of movies where they reference this stuff as well, you would go for more low-hanging fruit. And it's not to say that, like, Age of Coral isn't a legendary historical record of, like, great prominence. It certainly is. But it could have easily been, like, a Sex Pistols tea or a Misfits tea or a Dead Kennedys tea, all of which would have fulfilled the quota of, like, oh, pre-86 and blah, 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 blah. But, like... I think it's. I think the nod I'm happier with actually. I like that they chose a Chromags one, be it accurate or not, for the story. Because I think that's. It's not a deep cut, but it's certainly cool. Like yeah. if it were like you know, you know, if it would be crazier if it was even deeper. But like it's still cool that they chose that as opposed to some of the other ones you always see in every reference movie. And granted, like to people like us, Age of Coral is something that you do see referenced a lot or you know the the spoofed a lot or whatever but like in terms of like a movie like that no i can't think of an example that that comes to mind that they ever got like props for or like a band like that well there's also we have to think about the fact that this might also be a parallel timeline where Age of Coral <laughs> did come out in 1984, you know? <laughs> like this is we're, we're Earth Prime, you know, maybe that's Earth 2. You know, and and, and that yeah. Earth too, like things happen differently. Yeah, and 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 Roach Motel moves up to DC and starts playing shows with Minor Threat in DC. Like it's a totally different world. You know, <laughs> the woman can stop bullets with her fucking bracelets. It's a very different world than we live in. <laughs> yeah, see, and that, yeah, that's a great point, Dave. That's a great playful point. <laughs> you know, I think I think that's what we need to remember when you deal with all these comic book movies. I. uh I want more of it. You know, I want to, I, I really would love to, cause you know what makes my kids think I'm not out of touch when I'm watching these movies with the kids. I'm like, Oh shit. You see that shirt that person's wearing in the background. It's a chrome egg shirt. Yeah. I'm going to look cool because of that. Dude. You know what, <laughs> what the one thing I love is, and again, with the Sopranos in AJ's room where he had the over poster. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, but wow. I gotta That's look back at what awesome. it's like the it's like the sick record too with like the, the wolf on like drawing of the wolf on the cover. <laughs> Amazing. Uh I wonder if metalheads were pissed off when Cannibal Corpse did the uh Ace Ventura thing back in the day. Nah, no one could be fucking pissed off about that, man. That shit was that was the shit. They're just stewing over it. Didn't Fuck, we find man. out? callback to to a recent interview episode didn't we find out that, that was or did we speculate that that was should have been napalm death but they may have refused or something yeah that was me speculating that, that was, was you speculating. that okay, was entirely without, without basis in reality okay. but pardon me pardon no me. no I, I i just don't want to pretend i don't want that become part of the rumor that, uh, but that's but, oh yeah it was because of the jim carrey impression of napalm death that's right that's where we got yeah. to that yeah oh okay, yeah on um on our senior hall or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 We were talking about that and just being like, you know, what are the odds that he, he asked Napalm Death and they said no. And then it was like, who else has a song that I could do for this? <laughs> so, but that is that, who knows? We'll never know that. I think, it, I think, you know, like you look at the infest stickers and Bill and Ted's, you look at, at that, you know, anytime one of these sort of quote unquote subculture things pops up in the mainstream, we talk about it forever. Yeah. It's I just think like vindication. It's it's you yeah. know what I'm saying. It, it, I I love it, man. To me, yeah. it, to me, that's some like you know to use like a, another movie as reference. Like that's some like weird Fight Club shit. 
that's some like stuff people put in movies to like put a put a little hidden thing there to be like this is a nod like all of you yeah. people that get this are supposed to get this like and again granted okay whatever continuity wise it's off whatever but like i still think it's i don't think it's sick because i think the movie's probably garbage but i still think it's a it's a cooler nod than most things that i see like that in any movie that i can think of offhand barring the examples you just brought up the punk dog whistle <laughs> yeah or that exactly yeah this is the way that you can like you you, you go to the movie and you're like oh i feel seen I feel seen by this movie. This movie gets it. My, my greatest experience for me in life was when the cramp, when well, this happening, I mean, was when the cramps were on 90210 when I was a kid. <laughs> yep. Like the week before, I, I, I got like laughed off the stereo at a party trying to play a cramp CD <laughs> by this girl I went to school with. And then, you know, lo and behold, they're on 90210. Well, look who was cool. Look who was cool. A lot of a lot that? of high high school demons are coming out on this episode. Yeah, geez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've had a bunch. Yeah. I'm telling you, I got. I'm, I'm exercising all these uh, these these ghosts. You know, this the, all these uh, all this talk of of anger, it's bringing out the anger in me. So, being a high school, I, I was um, telling this story to Alex last night because we were talking about famous people from from Wilkes Bear. You know, I, I went to high school with um, with uh, Kristen Ritter. She's, do you know who that is? She related to John Ritter? <laughs> no, nah, she like played the dude Jesse's girlfriend in um, Breaking Bad. Oh, oh okay. yeah, 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 yeah. And her boyfriend through high school was this psycho, this kid Damien, and he was just like a actual psychopath like he, he there's no way he's alive he's ha- he's probably in jail now but um i remember he, we like jammed together we we're gonna start a band and he's like yeah we'll call it social distortion <laughs> uh, i think that's a band <laughs> and i had to bring in the social distortion tape <laughs> and he's wow what have they ever done yeah We'll be better than them, dude. <laughs> oh well, I think I think that's it. Unless you guys have anything else you want to get to. No, I, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining. Oh, Woj, uh, where can people hear your uh, your new mixtapes? Yeah, man. Where can they? That's a great question. Uh, SoundCloud.com/slash Wojavelli with a zero for the O because um, Scaramanga, aka Sir Menelik, ratted me out for my best <laughs> tape and I had to make it to account. But, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> and, and uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, just, uh, Instagram, uh, Wojavelli, W O J A V E L L I. And Chris does not want to be found. So no, uh, leave me alone. I don't, don't want to hear about the Chrome egg shirt anymore. I'm good. Yeah, let, just keep posting about it, and I'll just send it to Chris. <laughs> yeah, pretty that's much. How, that's how it normally works. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I bet it for him. All right. Uh, well, that's it, everyone. Thank you for listening.